In the name of Jesus, amen. Please be seated. It's a joy to see you all gather together this day as we as we celebrate uh, Church Family Sunday and try to we do this every quarter, as you might recall, try to gather the whole church family together. Uh, those who can make make room in their schedule uh, to, to remind ourselves with our busy schedules and the multiple services. We are uh, in the Lord's church, one body, as the scriptures say, the body of Christ, one body with many members. We all have our we all have our part to play. We all are given our individual gifts and abilities by the Lord, and we click together in a way that works. And so we rejoice in the gift of, of one another, and we rely upon one another and lean on each other in our times of trial. So thanks for adjusting your schedules today to come to this uh, a different service time and worship all together as one church family as we celebrate uh, the transfiguration of our Lord. And that's the gospel reading for today. The transfiguration simply means change form. As the Lord Jesus it goes up the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and his, his form changes before them. And his glory, which is, has always been there, but it's always kind of hidden behind his humility, he then allows it to shine through. So his face is beaming, his clothes are beaming, there's a, there's a great cloud, a booming voice from heaven. Moses and Elijah are there, so that means heaven is there and all the glory of god there on top of the mountain so what exactly is going on in the transfiguration why would why would jesus be showing us this and, and what what can we learn from the transfiguration for our lives today so as we consider the transfiguration i'd like us to maybe start in by i'd like for you to imagine like your favorite place to go on vacation uh, you're, where you like to get away from it all, your happy place, right? Where, you, where your worries and anxieties can melt away. Get a, get a picture of that in your mind. And even you can pack up to go there in your mind. Go ahead and pull your suitcase down, load up your clothes, right? And you notice, just like when we, when we plan for our vacations, you start already getting that feeling of the excitement, the anticipation of escaping from reality the joy of the vacation that's coming, right? Uh, and, and then even as you pull out of the driveway, you can start to feel your anxieties and your worries melt away. You're leaving it all behind. As you drive further away, all they're getting further behind too. Now, obviously they're still there, but you're able to get them off of your mind. Because the fact is, our, our worries and our problems, they, do, they consume us. So it's nice to get them off our, off our minds, whether it's the stress, the stress from work, Maybe dissatisfaction in our jobs. Maybe some, some broken relationships that kind of rob us of joy. Maybe it's other, other worries in life. Maybe we have ailing loved ones that we're caring for. It's kind of taking a lot out of us. Or maybe there's a sickness in yourself. It's kind of consuming all of your, all of your time and all of your thoughts. So it's nice to get away. So as we go out on vacation, you're kind of leaving the rest all behind. It can just, can just relax for a while. So you pull up to your hotel there, or condo, whatever it is, and you think, ha, ah, got a whole week of all my problems of reality left behind. But as we all know, it's the, it, that becomes the fastest week in the, in the history of humanity, and the week just blows by, and next thing you know, it's the last day, the worst day, when you have to pull the suitcase back down, right? And something weird happens as you open the suitcase, because what jumps out of the suitcase at you is the memory of all of those things, all of those burdens of reality that you have been kind of 
setting out of your mind, they come jumping back in and you're instantly reminded of all of them, all the stress, all the worries. And it would be nice, you think, if we could just stay here on vacation. Wouldn't that be nice to just stay on vacation? Now, obviously the problem is you don't live on vacation, right? We live in reality and we get to go on vacation. But we like the idea of being able to stay in that sense of being on vacation. And Peter, Peter has the same mindset in today's gospel. So I think we can, we can kind of know where he's, where he's coming from. As we're up there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and he sees Jesus and all of his glory, and he says, it's good, Lord, to be here. There's a hymn, in fact, we'll sing it during communion. It's good, Lord, to be here. It's good that we're here. Let's, let's build a few tents and stick around up here for a while. And the context even gives us more clue as to why Peter's saying this. The gospel lesson today begins with these words, after six days. So we should then ask the, we should ask the question, six days after what, right? Well, just before this, not even a full week before, is when Jesus had asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they say, well, some say a prophet, some say Elijah, John the Baptist. And Jesus says, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And so then Jesus commends him for this confession. But then he does this weird thing. He goes on to explain how the Son of Man must be betrayed, handed over to the chief priests, and suffer many things, and be killed. And this, this didn't really click in Peter's understanding of, of what the Son of Man would be. So in Peter's mind, he's got this picture of this, of the Savior of, with power and glory. And why would this Savior of power and glory allow himself to suffer and die? It just doesn't, it doesn't click. It'd be like if, if a general is trying to rally up his troops and he says, okay, we're going to go out there and, and first they're going to kill me and then they're going to kill you. Let's go pretty demoralizing. And that's the, that's the pep talk that Jesus has basically given the disciples there. So Peter's like, no, no, Jesus, surely not. This will never happen to you, Jesus. And Jesus says those famous words to Peter, get behind me, Satan, because you have in mind the, the things of man and not the things of God. That is, you want Jesus according to glory and power and strength, but that's not the way that God chooses to, to work toward us and to save us. So Peter's still working this thing out in his mind, how it is that Jesus is gonna be, is gonna be the son of man and yet also suffer and die as they go up the mountain of transfiguration and there on top of this mountain, they see all of this glory. He the, being in the presence of heaven with Moses and Elijah who are obviously dead at this point. And so if they're standing there, heaven has broken open and they're standing there with Jesus, Jesus in all of his glory. There's something else that's, that's helpful to remember. They're, when they're on top of this mountain, they're away from, it's, it's like us being on vacation. They're away from all of those things that were causing them anxiety, down the mountain. Like every time they turned around, the Pharisees and the scribes are causing more commotion and making their life uh, uh, troublesome. So that's down the mountain. Everywhere, every time they turn around, somebody's coming to Jesus for healing. They can't ever get a break. That's all down the mountain. So Jesus, let's stay up here. Let's stay up here on this mountain. And Jesus is handy to have around. After all, he can make food out of anything, right? So let's just, Jesus, let's stay up here in, in this glory. And that makes sense that we can, we can relate to wanting that kind of a, of a Jesus. A Jesus who, 
who stays in glory and solves all of our temporary problems, lets us escape daily from all the daily struggles of reality, and keeps putting band-aids on our daily problems. So you think like a president, it'd be like President Jesus, who, who solves world hunger, who crushes all the enemies, fixes the economy, and then anytime we get sick, he'd actually just take away our problems. But, but in all of this, he's simply putting a Band-Aid on the symptoms of the real problem, right? So if he's, he's daily having to feed us, he's taking away a, a sickness every time we get sick, but we still find ourselves getting hungry, we still find ourselves getting sick, and we're still aging. So while he's putting Band-Aids on the symptoms, he has yet to solve the real problem. Jesus is not in the Band-Aid business. He's in the cross and dying business. So he has to come off of that cross, or sorry, he has to come off of the mountain to head to the cross. Because we live our lives down the mountain. We're down the mountain in reality, so Jesus comes off of the mountain and heads down into reality to be with us. So as the text says, after all that shining glory disappears, they look around and they no longer saw anyone with, with them but Jesus only. Only Je just Jesus. Not the shining face and not the, not the radiant clothing, but it's just the same Jesus from before with his, with his old robe with like the mustard stain from lunch from earlier still on. He's got, it's, just, it's just Jesus and his humility because that's how Jesus wants to be known for us. He comes in the lowliness of a man so that he could go to the cross and die in our place. He comes off the mountain to be with us off of the mountain in our daily struggles, our, the reality of those things that cause us anxiety, to be with us as we care for our ailing loved ones, to be with us as, as we're suffering with variety of trials, whether it be work or personal or in our relationships or in our bodies. But he wants to be known not according to power and glory. He wants to be known not in the way that Peter insisted that he remain. So Peter wanted him to stay in glory Jesus mode. That's not how Jesus wants to be known. He wants to be known in the lowliness and the weakness of the cross. And he wants us to know that he loves us there. He's not a vending machine, but he, would, he wants us to know that he loves us because of the cross. Now in our flesh, we're always looking at our lives and trying to measure how much God loves us or how much God is with us based on how much he's letting his glory shine into our lives. So when the diseases go away and the, and the, and the investments are going well and the job is going great and everything's happy, we think, man, God must really love me. That's not how it works. He, he doesn't point us to our lives as evidence for his love. He points us to the cross. So you know, regardless of what's happening in your, in your life, the, the trials, the suffering, the anxieties, regardless of any of that, you know that the Lord is with you and loves you because he has died. So that voice, the boom from heaven said, this is my beloved son, doesn't say look at all of his glory. This is my beloved son. He loves you, look at all of his glory. No, he says, this is my beloved son. Listen to him, listen to him. And what does he say? He says that I am with you always. So he's baptized his name upon us and he's promised to be with us no matter what comes our way. He has solved the problem, the problem from whence all of our other symptoms come. By dying on the cross for our sins, removing the power, the eternal sting of death, 
removing the power of the devil, overcoming death eternally so that we would know that we'll live with him forever. So now, as Psalms 23 say, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We fear no evil because he is with me. The Lord Jesus comes off the mountain to walk with us in the valley. So that no matter what we face, we know that we have, we have eternal life with him. And so he gives us that peace every day, the peace in a chaotic world, in our anxious, filled, worry-filled lives. He says, no, no, I'm with you. I've overcome these problems. They're not gonna plague you forever. I'm with you in the midst of them. And he gives us joy for every day. And in our jobs, maybe sometimes the mundane repetition of life, or we might start to lose satisfaction at times. No, the Lord is with us there, promising to be working through you, God himself working through you to serve whoever he puts before you in life. And that, is, is that gives us joy. And then finally, he puts that same confession on each of our lips of this eternal peace from our Lord Jesus who gives us daily peace and joy and hope. He puts that on our lips to confess it to one another, both here in this in this church family, but also in our, in our individual families and throughout our community. May that be our hope and our joy and our peace every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. We stand for prayer.